Merry Christmas from me. Uh, I think I know almost everybody, but uh, for those of you who I haven't met, my name is Deacon Brian Carroll. Um, I, for many years, was the uh, one of the three deacons at uh, Our Lady of La Salette, and uh, on my weekend off from being a papist, I would come here and be a good Protestant. <laughs> um, um, However, the last two years, uh, I've been uh, over uh, a new assignment at St. Mark's in Warren, and I'm the only deacon there, so they work me a little harder, and I haven't really been able to join you in worship as often as I would like. Uh, but it seems like um, uh, Peter has uh, reserved for me this uh, Sunday between uh, Christmas and New Year. Um, I'm very happy over at St. Mark's. Um, that's on the east side. Uh, I thought at one point I'm going to have to re renew my passport to <laughs> cross over Woodward, but uh, the nice folks over there, and uh, and uh, I'm 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 blessed. I'm blessed with this new community. But here I am for what I like to call my Hogmanay homily. Um, Hogmanay is the old Scots word for New Year's Eve, and it's just festooned with different traditions. Um, um, and uh, one of them is the tradition of the first foot. Um, it's really important that the person who is the first to enter your home to put his foot across the threshold of your home on a New Year come with the right intentions and be the right kind of person. And so if you're at a New Year's Eve party, about uh, uh, earlier in the evening, they will have selected someone to be the first foot. And traditionally, uh, forgive me, ladies, he should be male, uh, <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> and, uh, and he has to bear two gifts a lump of coal and a piece of sweet cake of some kind. So about five minutes before midnight, the selected first foot is pushed out into the exterior darkness. And uh, we don't have a crystal ball that descends from heaven over in Scotland, but um, we ring the church bells at midnight. And then the the first foot would knock on the door and come in. And traditionally, he would say, Lang may your lum reek, which I'll translate, that means long may your chimney smoke. And he'll offer the, the briquette of coal. And then, of course, the other gift, sweet cake, uh, these symbolize that uh, may there always be warmth in this home. And may there always be sweetness and something to eat and share with friends. It's, it's a wonderful tradition, uh, this business of the first food. The lump of coal, um, I don't know what we'd need to do it in these times of uh, seeking to reduce our carbon footprint. But uh, anyway, uh, the thought is there. The symbolism is there. May your home be a home of welcome. May there be warmth in it. May you have good food to share with those who come to you. 
So already we're liturgically in the Christmas season. Uh, the Christmas season is supposed to last for the 12 days um, uh, through the 6th of January. Um, most churches will finish it off on the 5th of January this year. But anyway, I want to talk about the new year, about looking forward to a new year and a fresh start. And forgive me, I've even got a recommended New Year's resolution for us. The gospel passage that we heard today is about the start of Jesus' preaching ministry. And Matthew tells us that the theme of Jesus' ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. My favorite spiritual writer for the last couple of years is uh, a Franciscan priest by the name of Father Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. You can Google him. And he says that there are three things that the Lord wants us to repent of. Three S's. Our sins, our selfishness, and our stupidities. Our sins, our selfishness, and our stupidities. And of course, when Jesus talks about sins, he's talking about major offenses against the Ten Commandments, murder, oppression of the poor, adultery, and so on. And if we're in sin, we must repent, of course, because our salvation is hanging in the balance. But I don't think too many sinners in that classical sense out there. Um, so let's pass to the other two, our selfishness and our stupidities. Now, selfishness is the opposite of love. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. And we need to remember that Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, which in many ways encompasses all the others. This new commandment I give you is that you love one another. We're called to build up the kingdom of God through random acts of love, random acts of kindness, of unselfishness. It's amazing how close the concept of love and the concept of unselfishness comes. That really, love is about making other people's needs more important to us than our own. We see it, of course, most clearly in a mother's love for an infant. The mother can have no needs when the infant is young. The mother must suppress almost all her needs so that the, income, the infant can be loved. But we've all of us got the opportunity to love on a daily basis either to introduce a little darkness or a little light into somebody else's life. To cast a little shadow or cast a little light, to bring a little joy or to bring a little meanness. For me, this, these opportunities come mostly when I'm behind the wheel of my car. <laughs> my latest offense was um, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting on the left-hand side of two lanes, and we're going to merge left. 
Um, parallel parking is supposed to be difficult, but driving in parallel is almost impossible. <laughs> but we're waiting at this red light, and uh, I'm hanging back, because I just know this guy's going to cut the corner and move into my lane. And when the light turns green, he does just that, and an immediate reflex, my fist comes forward and hits the horn. And then the remorse sets in. You know, nobody likes to have the horn hooted at them. <laughs> I've just introduced a little bit of darkness into this person's day. And um, a, uh, a wise person once said to me, you know, the horn on the car is meant to administer a warning. If some person doesn't see you, they're about to step off the sidewalk onto the street, then a hoot of the horn is appropriate. However, the horn is not meant to administer a reproach. And I think most of us use the horn <laughs> to administer a reproach. Uh, the, some of the good uh, folks on the east side still follow the tradition of having a new car blessed. And I'm happy to do this. And I sprinkle it with holy water and I pray a blessing over it. And I incorporate that little bit of wisdom. I'll see. Now remember, the horn is for giving a warning, not a reproach. So I'm doing my little bit for uh, casting light and, and not darkness. So we all need, we all know what we need to do. We all have this ability each day, and we should review our day at the end of it and say, did I today introduce more light than darkness into somebody else's life? And then, thirdly, there's our stupidities. I think the problem of our stupidities is encapsulated in that old uh, Johnny Lee song, we're all looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> you know, some of us have looked for it at the bottom of a bottle. Many of us look for it in a shopping mall. Almost all of us are looking for it in some kind of career satisfaction or acknowledgement from the world at large that we are important. We're all born with three basic needs. We thank Maslow for highlighting this, and they're in a hierarchy. And the first of them is safety. We all have to feel safe, secure. We all have a need, secondly, for some kind of control, some kind of stability. Not to become control freaks, but, but to have some sense that we have, we count, that what we do um, gives us some control over the randomness of our lives. And we all, of course, need affection. We all need love. And as I said, we tend to look for it in all the wrong places. And Richard Rohr would say, we all have emotional programs for happiness uh, about how these basic needs can be met. And as the songster said, we're looking for it all in the wrong places. You know, when a baby, a baby has all of these needs in spades, and I kind of alluded to the way the mother, in a sacrificial way, meets the baby's needs. You know, if the baby feels unsafe, baby is wet, hungry, uncomfortable, doesn't feel loved, 
the baby yells its lungs out, and the caregiver, sometimes the husband, um, will go and take care of the baby. But you know, yelling your lungs out when you're unhappy, and that's good for the first 12 months, but you know, after that, you, you may get a little, a little bit more mature. And the only place we can find this love that we really hunger for is in the arms, in the embrace, the embrace of a loving and forgiving God. So here comes the New Year's resolution that I'm going to try and amplify and I hold it out to you as a suggestion. And that is to find more time for prayer and to pray on a regular basis. Worship is wonderful. Public prayer is wonderful. This is our community acknowledgement of our debt of gratitude to God. But we need to do it on an individual basis as well. And not so much just saying prayers. Um, Catholics are big on prayer books. You can buy them in all kinds of size and shape. But, and that's good. Please, uh, numbering your beads and saying paters and aves is good. But we need to spend time in silent prayer, maybe with the scriptures, but maybe just in silence. Because it's in silence that our God speaks to our heart. And in silence that our God tells us what we want to hear. He tells us that we are loved. Fairly soon into the month of January, we'll celebrate the feast of the baptism of the Lord. And you remember the scene where Jesus comes out of the Jordan River and the, the heavens part and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, a better translation of that would be, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I take delight. The well-pleased kind of has a connotation of, well, I love you if you do good, but mm, you let me down, I'm not so sure. But the real message is, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in whom I take delight. And if we really believe this, if we really allowed our God time to tell us this in the silence of our hearts, the selfishness and the sins wouldn't be anything like the problem they are. So there you are. That's, that's my recommendation. I'm going to try and do it myself at least 10 minutes a day in the morning and in the evening. The morning time, you usually claim those 10 minutes by getting up 10 minutes early. The evening, that's more of a challenge. That's more of a challenge. I don't recommend coming home. Uh, let's say your wife got there before you, and she's making, she's come from her job, and she's making dinner, and you go into your little study, and you stick a note on the door that says, meditation and progress, <laughs> silence, please. Not a good idea, but, you know, be creative. There's a way of claiming that extra 10 minutes in the evening. And as I said, we'll, uh, the gifts that come from that kind of prayer, the gift of hearing God speak his words of love to us is incomparable. And so to go back to uh, the first foot, you know, this handsome gentleman 
with gifts of warmth and sweetness that we want to welcome into our home uh, throughout the year. I don't know if the Lord is tall, dark. I know he's handsome. The artists have displayed that to us. But uh, he brings into our life warmth and sweetness if we do invite him in. Don't know if that's the root of the tradition, but it's a good thing to think about in the new year. Welcome into your home as the first guest, the one who will tell you that you are loved.